when you think of self-compassion you might think of this as one of those new age woo-woo spiritual things which has no place in the life of a hard charging ambitious entrepreneur if that is your thinking i urge you to listen on because self-compassion has been scientifically proven to build resilience in the face of failures and challenges obstacles which are a part of an entrepreneur's life compassion is not a sign of weakness it is the sign of ultimate strength because you allow yourself to be flawed and still move forward you don't let your flaws stop you what do you do in face of failures in face of challenges do you beat yourself up and mercilessly criticize yourself or do you treat yourself with kindness and compassion and allow yourself to take yet another step forward even in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds what do you do so compassionate people keep moving forward because failure doesn't really affect them as negatively so we're going to discuss all these great ideas with dr kristen neff and i urge you to listen on Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self-help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Kristen Neff is an associate professor of educational psychology at University of Texas Austin. She's a pioneer in the field of self-compassion and has been conducting scientific research on self-compassion and mindfulness for over the last 20 years. Today I will endeavor to learn about self-compassion and its benefits as they apply to ambitious entrepreneurs like us. We will be talking about her book Self-Compassion: The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um first off, why is this book why should an ambitious entrepreneur turn to your book? Well, um self-compassion is one of the most powerful um resources we have available to us that actually most people don't utilize. Right? We have a choice in every moment, every moment of challenge or we're feeling scared about whether we can accomplish something or life gets difficult for a variety of reasons. You know, we have a choice. We can either act like an inner ally, be helpful, supportive, kind, friendly to ourselves, or we can act like an inner enemy, which is harshly criticizing ourselves, not believing in ourselves, wallowing in shame and feelings of inadequacy. Um and sadly most people choose the latter approach. Most people tend to harshly criticize themselves or inner enemy as opposed to being an inner ally. So kind of my mission in life is trying to let people know they have another option that yeah. they can uh, really help rather than hinder themselves as they take on whatever challenges they face in life. So as we're as we're digging into this topic, let's let's take more because myself as an ambitious entrepreneur as someone who wants to go and achieve more in life i feel that if i become so until i read your book i used to think that if i become more self compassionate if i become more kind towards myself i'll stop driving myself i'll stop being ambitious i'll stop being hungry i'll stop uh, desiring what i want to do i'm sure and most people stop themselves and hence they don't practice self compassion so what's right you most people really believe that it's almost like the old days when we think we we had to corporally beat a child in order to get it to behave right we used to really have that belief and now of course all, all sorts of research shows that that just typically hinders the child and causes psychological problems that will make it harder for them to achieve their goals you know so we've dropped that in terms of how we parent our children and we realize that supportive caring sometimes firm the 
supportive and caring parenting is going to be better for our children. And we haven't gotten that message for ourselves. So there's, there's a, it's really a misconception that this harsh punishment approach helps. In fact, it only makes things worse. Yeah. Um, and there is some research. I mean, of course, you are a scientist as much as you are someone who meditates and you are, yes. you know, you teach self-compassion, but from a scientific perspective. So let's talk about the research that shows that actually self-compassion is the right thing to do to motivate ourselves, to push ourselves forward rather than the idea that it will hinder our progress. Right. Well, so there's there's a lot of research on this topic. Um, one thing, there's uh, the research shows that the aims, the goals, how high people, um, you know, that what people strive to achieve if they're self compassionate is just as high as everyone else. It's, it's not higher, but it's not lower, right? So how self compassionate you are has nothing to do with the aims and goals you have for yourself. The whole difference comes in. What happens when you don't meet your goals or your aims? What happens if, if you try something and you fail or you make a mistake or you aren't doing as well as you ideally would like to? Um, self-critical people start attacking themselves. They, they think they will improve if they, if they say things like, oh, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm such a loser. I just have to try harder. What's wrong with me? You know, they, they think that that type of negative emotional response is going to help. A self-compassionate person, when they fail, um, they basically, they, they can look clearly at the failure and what happened. Yeah, maybe that was really a poor performance. Here's where I went wrong. But just because I failed doesn't mean that I am a failure, right? They keep believing in themselves. They keep supporting them themselves. They kind of use constructive criticism to change their behaviors or their performance as opposed to, you know, slamming themselves with self-hate. And uh, research shows that actually what this means is that self-compassionate people, they become less afraid of failure because it's safe to try and fail. If you know that if you take on some big project and you fail and you're going to just kill yourself with criticism, it's actually safer just not even to try. But if you know it's safe to try and fail and we'll just try again, you know, you don't you don't develop the fear of failure. You have less performance anxiety. You actually you, you increase your chances of succeeding because you're feeling less anxiety. And if you fail anyway, you can just look at it clearly and say, okay, where did I get go wrong? Let me try again. So it's it's um it's a very important skill for motivation because we know that our internal mental and emotional mindset makes a huge difference in the ability to achieve our goals, right? And if we are undercutting ourselves, undermining ourselves, criticizing ourselves, undermining our self-confidence, seeing our performance unclearly because all we see is where we went wrong, we aren't going to have the tools we need to succeed. But if we're kind, supportive, friendly, caring, and we still want to achieve, right? We care about ourselves. We want to do our best, but we, 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 we do what we can to help ourselves as opposed to undermine ourselves. And it leads to things like, um, you know, trying harder after failure, keep on trying, um, picking yourself up and, and doing it, doing it again. Um, so, it, it, you know, it makes so much sense in other contexts. We can see how this would be more beneficial if you're a sports coach or if you are a parent, that telling someone you're ashamed of them is not going to be very motivating. But for some strange reason, we don't get that message for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and there's a vocabulary test or the, the experiment you were uh, 
that you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they gave them students actually um, at Berkeley um, a, a hard vocabulary test that everyone failed, but they didn't know that. And they had a couple conditions. Um, one condition was to get those students to uh, respond compassionately to their failure using the various components of self-compassion, which I can talk about, but basically being kind and supportive, remembering that, you know, everyone fails as part of being human and really trying to just be aware of what happened in a kind of um, objective, neutral way, which is mindfulness, uh, compared to a group where they said, hey, you know, you're a student at Berkeley, you must be okay, kind of a self-esteem motivation, or, or just as just a neutral control group. And they found that those people who were self-compassionate about the failure, later on in the experiment, they had a chance to, um, to study for, they were going to take the test again. The people in the self-compassion condition actually spent more time studying. In other words, they tried harder or longer after they gave themselves this encouragement of self-compassion. And there's a lot of research, of, uh, research um, similar research, really showing that uh, self-compassion enhances motivation. It doesn't undermine it. And we know that self-criticism, harsh self-criticism, criticism does absolutely undermine motivation and creates a lot of anxiety, which also works counter to achieving your goals. Very, very nice. And uh, I just want to bring an example from my own personal life right now. Even though it's not self-compassion, it's compassion towards others. Uh, what's happening right now is my mom, uh, she had a fracture in her spine and she's finally recovering. She's finally starting to walk again. And my dad has a very critical approach to it where he's always like, hey, you got to walk more. You got to do this. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. While whenever I approach her, I always am um, gentle towards her and I always encourage her. And she has over the last like couple of weeks, I see that she always says, well, when you are around, I want to do, I want to try it. But when your dad is around, I don't even want to try it because I feel like a failure. So that's right. It's so, exactly. Yeah. And, this, and the exact same process works with how we try to motivate ourselves. So I just got back um, actually yesterday from teaching a workshop on self-compassion. And there were some um, teenagers in the audience who were members of a drama club. And, um, you know, they raised their hand and they said, this self-compassion stuff isn't for me. I'm in the drama club. I have to really perform. If I'm nice to myself, I just won't do well. And so I went, I tried to explain to them the research on self-compassion and I gave them a scenario of of two different um, like drama coaches or um, yeah, I guess the people who coach the drama team, one who just shamed them and criticized them relentlessly or one that was supportive and believed in them and really tried to help them, which one would be more motivating. And it was so sad because the boy said, you know, I never believed the nice um, drama coaches, right? I, I always believe the ones that are mean to me because they're, they're the ones who will help me improve. And I realized that what he'd done is he was assuming that being compassionate means say, saying that you did a good job when in fact you didn't. Right. And that's such a misconception. If you're compassionate, you're going to give the truth to someone about their performance, including yourself. You're going to see you can see clearly, wow, the, uh, that actually wasn't so good. This is where I need to improve because your, your, your desire is to help yourself. And it's safe. It's safe to see where you went wrong. If you are really harshly self-critical, actually, you have less clarity about where you went wrong because it's scary to admit it. Right. And if you could 
at all get away with it, you're more likely, research shows, you're more likely to blame someone else for where you went wrong because it's too emotionally painful to own up for the fact that, you know, you went wrong somewhere. So, um, you know, it's really self-compassion allows you to see your performances more clearly, to give yourself more constructive criticism, but it's never focused on your worth as a person. Just because you failed doesn't mean that you are a failure, right? And keeping that separate uh, means uh, with self-compassion, we have the emotional resources to do better next time. Yeah, so what you're saying is self-compassion is not self-indulgence. You're not uh, pitying yes. yourself. You're not uh, just trying to uh, puff yourself up or anything like that. You're being exactly. honest. And, That's right. Honest and but kind. Right. And we know from parents in the parenting literature that parents who are indulgent with their kids and just say, oh, little Johnny, that's fine. You ate you ate three tubs of ice cream, but that's OK. I love you anyway. You know, that's not you know, that that type of self-indulgence isn't going to hurt, uh, isn't going to help. Um, a compassionate parent would say, well, first of all, a compassionate parent would say, I love you anyway. <laughs> that, so that's unconditional. The love and acceptance is unconditional. But a compassionate parent wants the best for their kid. And they're going to say, hey, listen, you can't eat three tubs of ice cream because it'll make you sick. And I want you to be healthy. So eat your vegetables instead. <laughs> right. If we care about ourselves, we aren't going to lie to ourselves. That's not going to help if we lie to ourselves and we aren't going to indulge ourselves because that won't help either. So we're, we're kind of more what they call in the parenting literature, an authoritative parent who is emotionally warm and supportive, but has clear standards of behavior. Um, and it's the exact same thing with self-compassion. Mm -hmm. So what what we just discussed over the last few minutes is the idea that self-compassion is really a great way to motivate ourselves to to get, you know, it helps our personal growth rather than impedes us. And uh, yes. it's, uh, it's not necessarily, so it's not indulgence, but it's uh, very conscious, clear kindness towards ourselves in some ways. Yeah. And honest, honest, clear. Honest, right. clear kindness towards ourselves. Now, what... What are some of the other benefits of self-compassion? Uh, well, um, you know, this this kind, supportive stance to ourself uh, really helps not only in terms of motivation to reach some goal we have, but any sort of serious life challenge. So people facing, um, you know, maybe a cancer diagnosis or some other medical condition or chronic pain. Um, or in my case, my biggest challenge that I faced was having um, an autistic child, right? And I can't even be to tell you what a help my self-compassion practice was for helping me deal with the day-to-day -day challenges of raising an autistic child, right? Um, uh, there's a lot of research showing that people who go in, who are in challenging situations, for instance, one just of uh, uh, veterans who came back from Iraq and Afghanistan, that the, your level of self-compassion, how you treat yourself, how supportive you are in times of crisis really predicts how well you cope with that crisis, right? So, for instance, with the vets, their level of self-compassion was more predictive of whether or not they develop PTSD than the level of combat exposure they faced, right? Um, similar with autism parents, you know, that the level of self-compassion shown by autism parents is more predictive of how well they cope than the severity of their child's autism. So it's like we have this inner ally, this friend, you know, we've got our, <laughs> you might say our, our allied team of troops available to help us in the midst of battle. 
but we don't call on them. In fact, in fact, we just we sabotage ourselves by by being cold or just trying to fix a problem, not giving ourselves the emotional support we need, and we actually make it a lot harder to cope with life's challenges. And it's um, that's I think that's why I'm so passionate about this, especially because I've seen firsthand how much it helps in a, in a difficult situation. And I just wish everyone realized that they had this power at their fingertips. They just have to give themselves permission to call on it. Mm-hmm. What we're saying here, the whole idea that in life, there will be challenges, there will be problems, there will be obstacles, but self-compassion helps us build that emotional resilience, that emotional strength to handle these challenges. And uh, what compassion does is, is it you might say any time there's suffering and compassion by definition is how we relate to our suffering. Right. That's what it means. Passion means suffering. So you might say a simple way to think about it is when we hold ourselves with love and kindness and support and care in those moments of suffering. It, that's what gives us the buffer to get through the difficult situation. Right. So let's jump into it and let's try to understand as uh, as you were explaining what self-compassion really is. Let's understand what self-compassion is because the way you explain it, there are three components to self-compassion. Yes. What are they? And, uh, and then we're going to talk about how to incorporate them in our lives. Okay. Well, so the first component, which is perhaps the most easily understandable, is this idea that we're kind and warm and caring and supportive to ourselves rather than being harshly self-critical. So this is what I'm talking about when I say being an inner ally rather than an inner enemy. But there are two other components that are also really crucial to have a a balanced sort of self-compassion. One is a sense of common humanity, okay? Remembering that everyone is imperfect and makes mistakes and that everyone has an imperfect life and will encounter challenges in their life. Now, this is something that we know logically. We know logically that no one is perfect and no one has an absolutely perfect life. And yet, typically what happens is when things get really difficult or we fail or make a mistake, there's this sense that something has gone wrong. Right. Like this isn't supposed to be happening as a baseline. Normal is everything's going perfectly. And when they aren't, something has gone wrong. And that sense of abnormality really makes us feel isolated as if, you know, everyone else in the world is having this happy life. And it's just me who's failed or it's just me who's facing this challenge. And so what happens is we start to feel isolated and alone in our suffering. And it makes it a lot worse. So self-compassion, you know, compassion, suffer with, that's what compassion means. We're used to thinking of it, you know, feeling with others, but when applied to ourselves, it just, re- it makes us remember that, hey, we aren't alone in this. This is part of what it means to be human. I don't have to fight the fact that this is happening. I just kind of have to rise to the challenge. Um, and again, it can really help. Um, it also helps it from devolving into self-pity. Right. If you didn't have the sense of common humanity, you might think that self-compassion is poor me. You know, I feel sorry for myself. Woe is me. A self-compassion does not say woe is me. Self-compassion is just honest and says, hey, life is difficult for everyone. Not just me, but um, also me. You know, we're, we're all in this together. And that's an, also a source of strength when we're going through difficult times. It absolutely is because... When just the realization that everyone, nobody has 
got it figured out. Nobody's got it a perfect life. And that everyone, all of us are going through these challenges as entrepreneurs, as uh, as business owners, or anyone else in life. This is the way it is. That actually takes up so much pressure and so much weight off your shoulders because now you can breathe easy knowing that such is the way of life. Because until then, we're fighting the flow of life. But that we're acceptance. Fighting, yeah. We're thinking this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be failing. Well, who said you shouldn't be failing? You know, I mean, didn't I think Donald Trump or someone like that said that, well, many people have said that failures are absolutely best learning experience. It's normal to fail. It's normal to mess up. So we don't have to waste any emotional energy feeling I shouldn't have failed or this shouldn't be happening. We can just move on to, well, okay, how can I learn from this situation and keep trying? You know, and then the last component, which is also really important, um, is mindfulness. Um, there's been a lot of talk about mindfulness, including in, in business contexts. It helps leaders. It helps organizations. Uh, and mindfulness really refers to, especially in the context of self-compassion, uh, being willing to turn toward and face what we don't want to face, face our emotional pain, right? If we just run from things, we don't admit we're struggling, we don't give attention to the fact that we're struggling, or if we just immediately try to fight it and resist it, you know, again, this should not be happening. Uh, We end up making things worse. So we need to have kind of a balanced approach to our own suffering, that we acknowledge it, that we validate it. You know, hey, this is hard right now. I need a little I need a little care in this moment. We also don't want to, you know, wallow in our suffering as well. So mindfulness also helps uh, self-compassion from becoming self-pity. You just see things clearly, no more, no less. And let's let's talk a little bit about how to implement these things in our lives, how to implement self-compassion in our lives. So can you give us like some actionable guidance as to how to bring all of this knowledge into practice in our daily lives, maybe three specific things we could do? Yes. Um, so there, there are many things. And if anyone's interested, I have a lot of, uh, I've got some exercises and some tapes on my website. If you just Google self-compassion, you'll find it. But basically, just to talk about a few things, one of the easiest ways, believe it or not, to access this compassionate mind state, this sense of warmth and caring and support, is through um, physical touch, right? Um, As mammals, all mammals are programmed to respond to three key markers that kind of um, evoke this compassion system, and that is physical warmth, a gentle touch, and soothing vocalizations, Right. So we all kind of in the presence of these elements, we feel calmer, we feel safer, more, we feel more relaxed, we feel more connected. Um, so one of the things you could do when you're really struggling or feeling overwhelmed is if you can find some sort of way of uh, physical gesture that makes you feel calm and supported, like maybe um, maybe your hands on your heart or holding your own hand or, you know, kind of touching your belly, something that feels natural. Right? We don't want it to feel too awkward. But what happens is sometimes our brains, our minds can't go to this place of compassion. It's too full of the storyline of how horrible we are or how horrible our life is. But by, by soothing and comforting our bodies physically, what we do is we increase our heart rate variability, we lower cortisol, we release um, um, 
we release oxytocin and other opiates. So our body calms down. And then that sets the way when we combine that with some words of kindness, especially said in a kind of warm tone. Uh, so we can, we can give ourselves the message that we need to hear in that moment. Right. So one is physical touch. In terms of what to say to ourselves, um, many people feel really awkward with this. They are not used to saying kind, supportive things to themselves. They feel phony. It feels strange. Um, just to know that that's normal. When you start a, a new behavior, you know, that's not habitual, it's going to feel awkward. But um, again, people, most people are much better at being kind and supportive to other people than themselves. You know, so if you're ever stuck with, you know, what can I say to myself that might help? All you have to do is imagine what if you had a really close friend or someone you cared about who was in the exact same situation that you were going through. Maybe they failed at some, you know, enterprise or something. And then think about, well, what would I probably say to that person if I really cared about them to be kind and supportive? The words come much more easily in that situation. The tone of voice is much easier to access. So kind of practice, imagine as if you were talking to a friend. And then just use that with yourself. Um, so really noting the language you use with yourself. Once you start looking at it, actually how we speak to ourselves, typically there's no way you would say what you say to yourself to anyone you cared about. <laughs> you know, so really just watching the language um, and then physical touch is good. Uh, That's great. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to say that just thinking about someone you love dearly, someone you really hold very close to your heart, um, you would never, I would never talk to that person like that. But yeah, of course, I talk to myself you know, yes. in ways exactly. that I would never talk to that person. So yeah, I understand if we could change the languaging, that would be a huge, like that's a, such a simple mind shift, but very easy that's to right. think, but you know, very easy to bring to practice as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not habitual. Um, and part of the reason it's not habitual is because when we fail or things are difficult, we feel threatened. So what happens is we respond with our amygdala, we respond with our threat defense system, which is basically fight, flight, or freeze. So, you know, we try to fight the problem, which unfortunately is ourselves, because, you know, we think we're the problem. So we fight ourselves thinking it will help, or we just stuff it down and avoid the problem, we run away from it, or we freeze, we get locked in this in this rumination about what's happening, and we can't, we can't. Um, unstick ourselves. Um, so it, it's natural, the reaction of self-criticism, we shouldn't judge ourselves for it, but it's actually not very effective. It's counterproductive. Um, much better is to feel safe through this other system we have, this compassion system, this warmth and caring system, which is the system you know we use with our kids and hopefully a good parenting our parents use with us, um, which is actually a much better way to feel safe. It's a little slower though. It doesn't come on come online as quickly. We kind of have to um, practice this a little bit more. This type of responding. And uh, I, I would I would venture to say that it's probably mindfulness that actually allows us to bring all of these into practice really quickly if we practice mindfulness. So, do you have any specific suggestions for practicing mindfulness? Is it meditation? Is it breathing? What could be? Yeah. A simple so way? Um, we do know that 
meditation is a tried and true way to not only develop mindfulness, but also to develop self-compassion. Um, so I have several meditations, for instance, on my website that I know a lot of people use. They're typically about 20 minutes. Um, if you're someone who's open to the idea of meditation, uh, we know that uh, meditation is a really good way to change your neuronal wiring, build new habits mentally, so that this this does become a little more habitual. Instead of just reacting immediately in a situation, it gives us more chance to respond and also to choose a kind response. Um, so, so meditation is great. But the interesting thing is it's not necessary to learn self-compassion. We did some research on a, a we, we've developed an intervention program called Mindful Self-Compassion to help teach people these skills. And we found that the people who weren't into meditation but did a lot of like maybe wrote a compassionate letter to themselves, used a lot of soothing touch, a lot of kind language, really just changed the way they related to themselves you know, small moments in their life that they actually did just as well. So it, it's a great tried and true method, but it's not absolutely necessary, which is nice because not everyone likes to meditate. Let's face it. I like it, but not everyone does. So. By the way, so personally asking, uh, what kind of meditation do you usually teach or what kind of meditations have you practiced? And So um, we've developed a lot of different meditations that help. And I think it's important to find one that, that speaks to you. Um, the, the, the kind of overarching theme of all the meditations is that they intentionally try to call up a feeling of warmth. So for instance, we do have a classic breath meditation where you focus on your breath, but we focus on the nurturing quality of the breath, kind of the soothing quality of the breath as opposed to just the awareness. Um, there are also meditations like loving kindness meditation where you practice basically developing goodwill towards yourself um, and others. Uh, and then we also have a, a great meditation, which is good for people who um, work with other people a lot, people they want to develop compassion for, where you use the breath as a vehicle so you breathe in compassion for yourself and you breathe out compassion for others. So you're always, with every breath, breathing in for yourself, out for others. And that's especially helpful for caregivers, nurses, um, people working with uh, other people who might be draining them, who might feel their compassion is draining them because they aren't refilling their batteries with each in-breath. So those are some of the things you can uh, you can find on the website. Kristen, so we talked about why self-compassion is important. We talked about the benefits of self-compassion. We talked about the components of self-compassion, the three components of self-compassion. And then we also talked about uh, the specific actions someone could take to really yes. bring self-compassion into their lives. So if you were to close this interview with one parting piece of guidance, the most important piece of guidance, what would it be? So, you know, what I've found over the years is that you won't discover the power of self-compassion until you try it. It's not a theoretical construct. It's not just an idea. It really is an experience. So if some people are listening and they're just kind of skeptical and I don't know if this is for me, I would just invite people next time they fail or they're really struggling Try treating themselves like a good friend. Again, it doesn't mean lying to yourself or making light of serious issues, but just try it out. Try being warm, supportive, caring, friendly, and see for yourself how it impacts you. And that's really the only way people will be convinced that this might be for them. So give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're, we're all uh, trying different things to figure out what works. And uh, that's right. definitely self-compassion is something we all got to 
not only try, but incorporate in our lives. Uh, Kristen, how can people get hold of everything you've talked about? Uh, you have meditations, you have uh, some audio program as well that people can find. So where can they get that? Yes, yes. If you just Google self-compassion, my website is selfcompassion.org. But, um, you know, it's, it's very, very easy to find. And um, you can find practices, you can find information if you want to go further and take a workshop or take some trainings. That's all there on the website. Uh, and also, we, I've got all the original, or most of it, the original research on self-compassion, the actual PDFs of the studies themselves, if anyone's uh, more oriented toward the research, it's all available there. You don't have to just take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. And uh, I personally, I'm, I'm a scientist. I'm an engineer. I'm a physicist. So yes. I love science. I love research before any of anything. Yes. Um, and it's great. I'm going to dig into more of it. But thank you very much, Kristen, for a um, great interview. Thank you for all the knowledge you provided us. Welcome. So as you step back from this interview, you can see that self-compassion is a very important component of building mental toughness. Um, we saw that self-compassion has been scientifically proven to build resilience in face of failures and challenges. And as entrepreneurs, it is really important to build this mental toughness that will allow us to move forward even in the face of extremely difficult challenges. Uh, being resilient and persistent and gritty and tough, even in the face of most difficult challenges in life is what makes great entrepreneurs great. And that is why we at 2000 Books decided to create this 2X Mental Toughness video course. Because every great entrepreneur, thinker, philosopher, researcher, athlete has come to the same conclusion over and over and over again, over thousands of years, that mental toughness, persistence, grit, that is the single biggest indicator and predictor of success in every walk of life. And in this course, we summarize 40 of the greatest books on the topic of building mental toughness. You get daily videos and action items on the most important ideas from these books for 90 days every single day. So by the time you're done, you will have a complete tool set of over 90 great ideas to build your mental toughness and use it when needed. And you will have access to over 10 plus hours of video content in this course. Also, you can get access to clickable mind maps of each of these books so that you can quickly zoom in and zoom out of all the details anytime you want. The course goes live on August 15th, but you can sign up as an early adopter and get a huge discount right now. The course is priced at $99 when it goes live, but right now you can get into the early adopters program for only $39. That's 60% off the regular price. We will be reducing the discount for early adopters every week. So if you want to get in on this course, now would be a great time to sign up as an early adopter for $39. You can check it out at 2000books.com slash tough. That's T-O-U-G-H. Or just text the word toughness to 44222. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.